The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Scott Jensen, filling in for Jeff Erickson this Thursday. Usually Jeff is here on Thursdays with a uh, guest from the industry. I'm doing the same, filling in. I am happy to be joined by uh, Michael Govier. I'm really uh, someone I've not uh, – I followed on Twitter for a while, enjoy all his videos. They always make me laugh, and I've never actually had a full discussion with him, so I thought it would be a good time to jump on. Uh, Michael, how are you tonight? Well, Scott, it's a real pleasure to be here on the RotoWire podcast. I got to tell you, this is a long time coming, and it's a special night for me. I take pride in these little moments because I grind and grind and grind doing the Plotso podcast and right. working for RotoFanatic.com. So this is a big night for me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, I was, I was, uh, I was happy that you said yes, and I was happy, looking forward to uh, jumping on, talking some baseball, talking some other stuff, whatever may come up. I, uh, you know, it's been fun to have a, a lot of new people in the industry over the last uh, bunch of years, and uh, you know, you're one of those ones that every time the video comes up, I crack up, and you've got something different going on. So I like, I like your different approach. It's, uh, it's a very different approach. A lot of people have, but let everybody know where they can find you. If people don't know, don't know you, especially where where they can find your work, where they can find your podcast, uh, where they can find you on Twitter, all that kind of good stuff. Sure thing. I got the spiel ready to go, Scott. I'm at Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's, of course, in case you're wondering, on Twitter. Mainly Twitter is where we do most of our feed and have our activity available to you. Of course, at MJ Govier, G-O-V is in Victor, I-E-R, on Twitter is my main Twitter profile. And uh, at rotofanatic.com, I do a lot of fun work there, too. So you can find us over there at roto underscore fanatic. Beautiful. Um, to give me a quick, uh, quick background. I don't know a ton about how you got in the industry, how long you've been around, how'd you start, uh, what kind of leagues you play in. Give me a, give me a, a quick minute spiel on uh, who you are, how you got here, and what you've been doing. Well, first time I played fantasy baseball, Scott, was in 1999. I can wow. see it now. 
doing my draft at the Central Michigan University Computer Lab. Surrounded by, the, uh, you know, what is that? Is that the Chippewas? That is a Chippewas. Very nice, good. Nice. There you go. Apparently, uh, Dick Enberg went there, too. Legendary oh. broadcaster. So. All right. Fantastic. They were known for their broadcasting. That's why I actually went there when I was okay. first out of college or first out of high school. And uh, it didn't go very well, just to keep that part short. But that was my first <laughs> draft. And okay. I remember drafting Frank Thomas in particular. That was one thing that stands out. Nice. But overall, I, I've played forever. I've always loved baseball. Baseball was a big passion of mine. I love football. I love basketball. I play all those sports. I enjoyed them. But baseball is always something that was something unique about it that kind of drew me to it a bit more. And I got into the industry when we started doing the Palazzo podcast in 2020. And people may say, okay. Palazzo podcast? You know, what, what is that? Hey, Enrico Palazzo. It was a movie, The Naked yeah. Gun, which is like... I, see, a reference I actually got. We're good. Yes, I knew we'd find one. Yeah. It, it has, there has to be one somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's an old, old movie. 1988, I think. But it's got one of the best baseball scenes ever. Oh, it really awesome. does. Yeah. It's classic. It's a third act, and it's it's a lot of fun. So I figured, hey, why not name the podcast after the guy who says, hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. And my partner, Deary, thought it was a bit ridiculous, but the name stuck, and it kind of sticks now. Palazzo Pod is the shorter way to say it, yeah. and we've it been doing it for 15, 16 months now. Nice. How? Why did you decide you wanted to do it? We were doing a college football podcast, actually. Uh, college football to, fantasy or just talking college football? Just talking mainly okay. Big Ten, and then we would branch out because I I went to University of Michigan. There you go. And not a lot to be proud of these days, football wise, but the basketball program smokes. Yep. But me and Deary always been Michigan fans, so we wanted to talk college football. But we both had a passion. Chris played in high school. He still played after that in rec leagues, baseball wise. And we're like, okay. let's do a baseball podcast. So after that nice. season ended at the end of 2019, we decided to switch gears in 2020. That's uh, that's impressive. It's only 2020. You're obviously you're kind of everywhere now, and people know who you are. So that's uh, that's really good growth in 16 months. That's awesome. Whoa! Wow. Yeah. That, uh, you're too kind. You're very kind, Scott. Thank you very much. Beautiful. Uh, so, what kind of leagues do you play uh, fantasy baseball? And are you playing? Uh, do you play like uh, some of these overall national competitions? Are you more a local league guy? What uh, what's kind of your your playing profile? To be honest with you, and I know this is cool in the industry. Oh, this is, there's no cool. We're good. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I've been born and bred on Yahoo leagues. That's where it all, all right. started for me. And I was still doing that even when we'd started some new keeper leagues in okay. 2014. Uh, that was my thing. Head-to-head. -head. We always played head-to-head -head cats. Right. That was the main draw for us. But I got into some bigger fish and started to swim with the big guys this year. I went all in. I'm in a main event this year oh, on nice. NBC. Beautiful. Beautiful. How's the squad so far? I'm in a main event this year on NFBC. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's just we'll go with that. I'm about in the same spot. It's been a weird, it's been a weird year. Like it, it feels, uh, it just feels strange. All the injuries, and then you got a lot of weirdly unperforming guys. It feels like you know, it feels like every pitcher is good except the ones that I have for some odd reason. And every time I look up, every game is two to one except for one six nothing, and I'm I'm having to throw that pitcher in that six nothing game. So it's been, it's been very, it's very interesting. I'm kind of like middling right now, which is frustrating. But we're a third of the way through. I think it's important to know the season is so damn long. I mean, it's so long. Um, so I'm looking to kind of I'm kind of kind of regroup right now, kind of figure out where I'm at, what I need, who to cut, who to drop. We're going to talk about a bunch of players later that are kind of either overperforming, underperforming. I want to get your thoughts on them too. Uh, do you play other sports? Do you play fantasy baseball, fantasy football, fantasy hockey, golf, anything else? Definitely played fantasy football 
uh, basically as long as I did fantasy baseball. I took a little right. break there when things got weird in like 2016, 17. There was a lot of political stuff and yeah, yeah. NFL's got issues. I wasn't really a fan of it. So I walked away as a winner. I did in 2017. Nice. And I started playing again last year, though. I got back in a league and I'm basically fully back in. I learned a lot from a guy, Blair Williams, who works at Razzball. He taught me the way and kind of right. enlightened me and said, you know what? Don't let the way people run a league dictate how much fun you get from playing fantasy football. So I'm all the way back in. I've also played a lot of fantasy basketball and a little bit of fantasy hockey, but that's been years since I did that. It's funny you say that. Though. I've had that conversation with a few people because I there were some years in there where I was like the NFL and like, oh, with all the concussion stuff, like this is absurd. But at some point, like if I play and it's fun, like why would I take that away from myself, right? It's just it's a, it's yeah. a weird in between there. You got to try and figure out all that kind of stuff. And um, but yeah, I play. I'm more of a baseball player too. I mean, I just think that fa- baseball is built for fancy, the long haul. Whereas you know, football, you get one or two injuries and you're kind of dead. Whereas baseball, you can recover from stuff. But I play a lot of uh, play a lot of fancy hoops too. I've gotten into fancy golf. I play a lot of DFS golf. So I'm kind of all over the map. Um, growing up in California, not really with the hockey. Um, I did play for a while when it goes kind of ESPN leagues with the whole thing, but, um, haven't been in a one in a while. There's a, uh, my, my knowledge of hockey probably goes back to, uh, Sega 94, uh, players and uh, a lot of, a lot of Jeremy Roenick, a lot of, uh, a lot of Mark Messier and Iserman and then Fedorov. But, uh, unfortunately my, my knowledge kind of ends in the nineties. Yes, you you are now speaking my lingo, Scott. <laughs> NHL 94, Sega Genesis. Oh, it's the best that game, game ever. It's it was awesome. so good. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that. Yeah, it was yeah. a ton of fun. I'm actually old enough, though, similar to you, I believe, yep. to remember on ESPN2 when they used to have that rollerblade league. That I think it was over on the West Coast. They would, yep. It was like this legitimate rollerblade hockey league. And I used I to actually, watch it all the time. Uh, I actually worked for the A's for a summer in college in 1994 as like a marketing business intern. And they gave us away. They gave tickets to one of those games. So I went just across the way to the, to the <laughs> arena where the Warriors play, played. And uh, it was I lasted a half. It was horrible. Oh, okay. Like, Maybe it's better on television. It, it was like, it was that, it was like, it was like, I just, there were like a hundred people there. It was really, it was really rough, but I do have a ticket sub somewhere from, I think it was the, uh, the Oakland blades, maybe something like that, but it was, uh, it was not good. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I grew up with the Red Wings here. They were Kings of hockey in the nineties, yeah, won forever. the first cup in 42 years in 97. It was a long yeah. fought victory. So that was a huge part of my life, but the older you get, you seem to have a little bit less room for every you sport do. and something yeah. kind of, it's kind of got to go. Yeah, the bandwidth goes. So uh, let's jump into some baseball because everybody's here for some baseball talk. I uh, want to hit some quick news and notes. You know, uh, the, there was a podcast on Wednesday, but it's been uh, 24 hours. A lot changes in baseball. Uh, big news today. Nick Madrigal went on the 60-day IL, a torn right hamstring. It was a bummer here. Uh, weirdly, I thought he had been better than he had. I have him in one team, and you know, he's hit 305, but two home runs, one stolen base. Um, suddenly, I was like, yeah, maybe that's not so hard to, to replace. <laughs> I was not surprised to hear this at all. Last year when he got hurt, he slid into third base at a Brewers game, I believe, and he went on the IL. And after that moment, my passion for Madrigal went right down the tubes. Just wasn't feeling it. I feel like he's injury prone, and this is just another example. I'm talking like major injuries, like you're yeah. going to be out for a while. So with no power, there's never going to be the power. We know that. And steals are fun, and batting average are rare commodities in today's game. But it's not worth it because he's. Yeah. I think he's just not very strong overall. He needs to be more and, strong. And hitting down the order most of the games is tough for the uh, the runs. If you're going to get batting average, you need batting average and runs together, and you're just not getting that. Uh, I was surprised by the one stolen base, though. He's played 54 games, 215 plate appearances. One stolen base surprised me. I, you know, I thought he'd run a little bit more. And without uh, without about 15 bags, it's really tough to play him in any kind of any kind of deep league. Yeah, and he doesn't have an excuse for that either because Tim Anderson sold two yesterday. He's got 12 yeah. on the year, so they're running. Oh it's yeah. 
Tony will let guys run. It's just, uh, I don't know what's going on there. But uh, uh, just breaking right now, Alex Kirilov left the uh, Twins game with an ankle injury. Another guy that it's, it seems like maybe just can't stay on the field. It's frustrating because he, when he plays, he's really fun to watch. He had that stretch when he was up last time hitting some bombs to left center. But I don't know. It's just another guy. It's just frustrating. Guys can't, can't, can't stay on the field. Yeah, he's a bigger guy too. So that doesn't fit the narrative on the size issue. I, yeah, It's one of those years too, though. It's We know that. It we is. don't need to rehash that. So right. maybe chalk it up to that. We'll see. Yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating. Hopefully he's okay. I hate when young guys, especially, get hurt. Guys that really, uh, you know, he's getting he's getting a run of playing time here. And we want to see what uh, we got there. But uh, hits the ball hard, man. Fifteen percent barrel rate, forty eight percent hard hit rate. So showing a lot, but man, he's got to stay on the field. That's got to be a skill that he's got to have. No doubt about it, Scott. I think he's a really, really special player. I still believe that. I think there's a thirty home run bat inside yeah. of that bat, but. I think uh, you got to just be patient and wait it out for now. And I would rely on other rookies that are probably more reliable. You like uh, you like Larnick at all there? If uh, with Kirilov, he suddenly gets uh, all the at bats he can want. Uh, I, I kind of do. I mean, he could play. Obviously, he's got some game. But I'm not a huge fan of Larnick. I haven't been going out of my way to get him. I know. Uh, my tag team partner in a tag team league, I do Eric Cross, who knows a lot about prospects. I always go to him for stuff like this, talking younger players. And I think he was a fan of Larnock quite a bit. So that had me intrigued, but I haven't seen anything in the profile right now that dictates a special kind yeah. of label where I, I, I got to get me some Trevor Larnock right now. I, I'm not yeah. really seeing that just yet. The, the raw power looked pretty good. He was at Oregon State, one of those guys, a lot of Oregon State guys. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, I like what I've seen a little bit. I mean, he's hitting 260, uh, hitting the ball pretty hard. Um, I'm probably in a little more than you are, but uh, I'd like to see him you know, get a run of playing time here. With that. And if, if Kirillov does miss some time, um, you got to figure that, uh, you know, he Lardock was pretty much playing every day anyway. Now that's pretty locked in. Yeah, and the Twins are cursed this year, too, so oh that's always gosh. something to consider. It's, it's rough right there. It's uh, it's just one of those seasons. Baseball happens. Some of those seasons, you just can't get it going. Uh, hopefully, they can kind of flip the switch. But, uh, you know, it feels like every time Jay Happ goes out there, it's 3 nothing in the first inning like it was tonight. Stanton took him yard. But, it's uh, yeah, it's rough in Minnesota right now. That's that's surprising because I think we thought they would be uh, they'd be kind of hanging with the White Sox this year. Yeah, we thought, or at least I certainly thought that's why they got rid of Paul Molitor was, hey, we're bringing in yeah. Baldelli so we don't have these up and down years where yeah. we win 100 and then we lose 100. We're not, we don't have the patience for that anymore, so I, I'm not well, really sure what's going on there. They're not having up any up and downs this year. They're just down. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're in the gutter right now, unfortunately. Uh, Sonny Gray, a favorite of mine from his Oakland days, hit the aisle on Wednesday, will miss multiple starts. Man, we're talking about guys who just can't seem to stay healthy. It seems like Sonny's in that boat this year, too. Sonny Gray was in that realm of pitchers, at least ADP-wise in the preseason, where you've seen enough, and you really liked what he did when he yeah. came to the Reds after he left New York, right? And yep. it was like, whoa, he really seemed to figure something out, got back to basics. But I was still suspect of the situation. I don't love the ballpark. No, I don't think anybody does for no. a pitcher there. And the injury issue, I'm, I'm going to toss that aside. I'm not as concerned about that. I think... I would actually maybe make a bid to try to acquire him right now. If somebody was kind of sick of it or like, oh, God, I need I need stats now. I need someone I can rely on right now. Right. I'd actually make a play because he was pitching pretty well. You know, I don't think there's a negative there. The XFIP, the FIP, and the ERA all kind of line up. In fact, the FIP looks better than the ERA at 305 compared to his 370 ER. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong one. Look at me. This is a stat mistake are, right off the are, bat. Are you, looking, are you looking at John? <laughs> I hope you're not looking at John Gray. Oh, yeah. So John Gray is available. <laughs> now, that would be a terrible, terrible piece of information. But no, yeah, you know, the FIP idea. is higher than the ERA. So uh, I would still take a chance at him because I think if healthy, he can still be the horse of that staff. 
Yeah, I, I, I like Sonny too. I was uh, I was a little bit worried about the walks last year, but they've, he brought those down a little bit. Um, but the strikeouts are still there, so I, I think that uh, I think it's still a solid. I like I like making a play for that. I mean, I think you're right. The owner, whoever has him, might be a little over it, and maybe uh, maybe you get a, a good discount there. Oh, that's a good point. And one other thing too is his home run to fly ball rate has skyrocketed this year. It's a career twelve point five percent, and it's yeah. at twenty right now. So maybe he's had some bad luck. Maybe. Yeah, and some of that's probably Cincinnati, but it was you know even in Cincinnati he was 13, 12.5%. So I think that's a that's a that's a good call there too. Uh, fly ball rates up a little bit though. It's a little concerning. Fly ball rates up eight percent right now, so maybe that's playing in there a little bit. But um, I like that. I think that uh, I think that a play for Sonny Gray right now is a is a good call. Um, Adalberto Mondesi took some BP and some other work on Tuesday. Were you in on Mondesi at all this year? Has he uh, has he stung you with all these games missed? Unfortunately, in the Palazzo Podcast Invitational, which is a 60-team overall look with you. four. Yeah, look at us growing. You, you, start, deal. You, you start in 2020, you have your own Invitational. That's impressive. <laughs> I no don't one, know how I pulled no it one, off. No but. one's playing the Genstead Invitational, so you're ahead of me already. We're good. Well, I didn't get the invite, Scott. I've been yeah, waiting uh, for it. But, neither uh, neither maybe, did I. I don't know if it's like the Scott Fishbowl where I get like a special email or something, but <laughs> yeah, I do not, know not, that. not quite as big as that. <laughs> I do know that uh, I was lucky enough to get that going there. And they're basically four draft champions. That's what they combined to the oh, overall. Okay, nice. That's a cool idea. So, unfortunately, though, me and my partner, Deary, who are involved, we're in the bottom 10. And we're still in the bottom 10. And one of those reasons is because I took Montesi with my second pick, which is a big mistake right now, unfortunately. One, one stolen base on June 10th is not exactly what you signed up for. Yeah, I felt like I was going to get a couple more than that, maybe yeah. at the very least. But but uh, if I told you on June 10th he'd have double the home runs of stolen bases, you would have been all in on that. Hell yeah, I would have been all in on that. And that has not been the case. This guy's just are injured all year, but he's still only 25. If you're looking at Dynasty and Keeper Leagues, obviously I think you should hang on to him. But right now in redraft, it's been a lost season, and we're hoping for maybe a second-half push. Like you said earlier in the show, Scott, season is far from yes, over, so I mean, there's still hope. Guy played 100 games in 2019 at 43 bags. So, I mean, it's not like uh, it's not like he couldn't come back and run crazy for four, three and a half months, too. So there is that. Yeah, he could still get 20 steals this year. I still think that's uh, very possible. If he, I mean, I think I think that's low. I think that he played 59 games last year, had 24. I think if he ever gets on the field, um, he's going to run wild. I mean, he's just, you can't, he, he's he's efficient. He's good. They're going to give him a full green light. It's, uh, I've never been the biggest fan of his uh, his, his bat, but um, you, you, there's no way to doubt that the legs are as good as it gets. Yeah, that's fair. But these injuries, we have to see if they affect him or not. But since he's young enough, I'm hoping he can bounce back. But he is a skinnier, thinnier guy. You know, he's yeah. kind of a, a noodle kind of a body style. So we'll see if the injuries pile up as his career goes forward. I'm hoping not because I do think he's a very exciting player outside of just fantasy to watch. Agreed there. Um, are you a Paul DeYoung guy at all? He's back, expected back on Friday. It's funny. He was available in one of my main events. He was like 90-something percent owned. And I looked at him and... I was like, wow, that's, a, that's an interesting bid. And then I looked closer and I got less excited. I don't know. He's just kind of one of those guys that I have a hard time getting super fired up about. Yeah. Uh, are the strikeouts down? Uh, is he walking more? Because I know his walk rate's up this year to 10, 10.6. It is. That is cr- <laughs> I, I don't know how much that's going to help you. The strikeouts are down 22% K rate as opposed to a career 25. Last year he was at 28, which was a little high above his career norm anyways. But it always seemed to be such an empty batting average situation. You know, yeah. that was always the big problem, especially for Roto. Uh, OBP, I kind of like him a little bit right now, but otherwise, I, I've never been a Paul DeYoung fan, and I could hardly, hardly recall drafting him. Yeah, I can't either. I mean, that rookie year, he hit 285 with 25 home runs. We're like, oh my gosh, this is a guy's a real thing. And then he had the one happy fun ball year in 2019 when everybody hit 30 home runs, and he did too. But <laughs> I mean, three home runs last year. He was showing some pop this year with seven home runs, but uh, hitting a buck 77, it's hard to get too excited there. 
I wonder if there should be a documentary, by the way, Scott, called The Happy Fun Ball Year of 2019. I'm begging for somebody to make that happen. It really should be. Somebody somebody has to have those balls hidden somewhere. They're going to open them up and see what the hell's inside, right? It's going to be a bunch of of bouncy balls flying out of there. It's going to be like, uh, yeah, it's going to be. I I can't remember the guy who broke his bat in the 80s and the the bouncy balls came out. It's killing me. I can't remember the name. Oh, yeah. Oh, good call. Good call. I can't. I want to say George Bell, but I don't think it was him. I can't remember who it was. I'm hey, stumped. You stumped me. I'm stumped. There you go. Uh, what do you do if you have Carlos Carrasco in a fantasy league right now? Give me an answer for a, a 12-teamer or a 15-teamer. He was throwing off a mound, and now he's not throwing off a mound, which seems to be to me not to be progress, if, uh, if I'm giving my opinion. Is he a hold anywhere right now? Like There was a quote today, like maybe for August. I, I, in my opinion, I'm dropping him everywhere, even in a 15-teamer. I just think I think there's too many chances of setback, and maybe he doesn't even pitch till September. I, just, I don't think it's worth holding right now. Yeah, I thought that we'd be getting close to him coming and making a debut at this point, especially if I looked at him in the main event and the main event, he kept falling and falling just like Zach Gallen did because they were both hurt. And I took Zach Gallen at 195. I remember that. And he came back so much sooner than we expected. I was really excited for like a week. And then he had the sprain to his elbow ligament, which ruined that. But Carrasco... We're not hearing any positive news when he's yeah. ramping up. Like you just said, it's going backwards. So I don't really know how you can rely on him. And even worse, Scott, is that with all the injuries, you don't probably have any space to just yeah. hold them on your roster. Because I guarantee, you know, average fantasy team has two injuries at minimum that they're yeah, kind of minimum, holding. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I agree there. I think that uh, at this point with this news, I was kind of, I was going to say with Sixto Sanchez, I was going to go one setback and I was gone. I, d- I dropped him last week after the setback. And then Carrasco, same kind of way. I think, I think any size league, I mean, if you play in a, a keeper and you want him for next year or whatever, or for a 20 team league, maybe keep him. But I think like a, a 12 team or a 15 team NFBC, I think he's, I think he's a full drop for me across all those platforms. I'd be hard pressed to disagree with you, Scott. I would. Uh, last guy I want to go news and notes. Uh, Lance McCullers uh, making a rehab start today. Should go four innings or 65 pitches. Uh, are you a McCullers guy? Are you excited for him coming back? Do you own him anywhere? I had a lot of debate about Lance McCullers in the offseason with several guys that we had on our show. I remember in particular talking with the Rotosaurus, uh, Jay Kalusker. He's a very intelligent oh, yeah. guy. Not uh, a fan. Jake, he was not a fan Jake, of Jake's a, Jake's a good dude. He is. He's a great dude. He's uh, won it, too. He's backed it up with some legitimate victories in NFBC auction overall title a couple years ago. Yeah, he uh, he keeps that check in the background of all podcasts <laughs> he does, too. He makes sure that everybody knows that he won. I, I think I do this. If I had a giant check that big, too, I'd, I'd like carry it around with me, too. So How could you uh, not? I mean, I've I would sat, make it the focal uh, point of my existence. I've sat in leagues with them in Vegas and, and drafted a bunch of times, so I, I, I really like Jake. He's a really good dude. By the way, my friend's texting me that it might have been Chris Sabo who was the bouncy ball guy, just to kind of backtrack on that. But we'll verify that after the show. I got to tell you. Well, thank, thank thank your friend for listening more than anything. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Good there to see you. Go. We're live on the show. It's a lot of fun, by the way. But I will tell you, Mr. McCullers is somebody who has an incredible curveball. And when he yeah. came on the scene, boy, that curveball, it was everything. He threw it and threw it and threw it. But he's always injury prone. He's on a great team. So that does give me interest with win opportunities. But. I am not a guy that relies on McCullers. I think there are other options, but that might end up burning me because I don't have a single share of him across, you know, about 12 different fantasy teams. Yeah, I'm a bit concerned about the the walk rate spiking this year up to 12%. I do not like that. Uh, the Ks are up a little bit. I'm one that that's, I, I like him. I, I see the upside. I'm just, is he someone in every draft, someone likes him more than me? And there's just players like that sometimes that I just, I don't end up getting because there's always someone that's the McCullers guy. Yeah, that's a good point. I, even though, that happens more often than you think. It's still not it worth it. Don't let somebody drive your price up. I think that's fantasy 101. That's a good call, Scott. I uh, I try to do that. Every once in a while, I get sucked in like everybody else does. But I'm uh, 
<laughs> usually pretty good about not chasing the hype, sexy young guy. Sometimes that burns me on some players, but uh, overall, you know, not paying the two to three round ADP helium on those guys usually does me pretty well. <laughs> I think I might have been wrong on the colors, though. I mean, the, so far, he's looked really, really good, and you have to be willing to pivot. This is something I think a lot of pros know. Hey, yeah. don't get stuck on a narrative. Be Absolutely. ready to adjust to the data that you're seeing before you, right? So I'm, I'm actually reconsidering the fact that maybe I should have taken McCullers, and if so, maybe I could acquire him in trades leagues for opportunities for a starting pitcher. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I think that there's a lot of people we get stuck on in, in preseason. You, you do your research. You want to you know draft who you want to draft and not draft, but – as stuff changes, make sure that you're willing to change and, and morph that opinion. I think some people get stuck in, you know, oh, I didn't like him in March, so I can't pick him up now. and uh, <laughs> Or I didn't like him in 2020, I can't draft him now. And that's crazy. Like, there's, there, I went on a rant. In the 20- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 2019, uh, Andrew Benintendi was a big fade for me. And I have him on a couple teams this year. It's like the prices change, stuff changes. I mean, everybody, every year is different. Every month is different in baseball. Um, there are guys I wouldn't draft. They get dropped and I'm, I'm willing to pick them up. So it's, uh, I think you've got to, uh, you're right. You got to be able to, uh, to move around and kind of, uh, kind of zig and zag a little bit if you want to do well. Yeah, don't treat your fantasy players like an ex-girlfriend who you swore to never take back. You need to reconsider that. Even if they slash your tires or something, you got to be ready you know, to take a chance again. Open your hearts. Even the next girlfriend shows up at the right time, though, and everybody will take her back at some point. <laughs> yeah, I won't argue with that one. That's fair. I know how that works. Um, anyway, let's get into some player talk. Uh, but first, a note from our sponsors. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. Indeed.com slash blue wire offer valid through June 30th terms and conditions apply. Credit karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more with a credit karma money spend account. You can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. 
Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So let's get into player talk. I want to talk about some guys who are some interesting names, guys who have really either broken out or really struggling so far this year and see where you're at. We're a third of the way through the season. We still have four months left. Like this is a long season. First guy I want to talk about just because I'm biased and it's the way I am is, is Sean Manaya in Oakland. Uh, he is dealing so far. Uh, pitched well again uh, yesterday against the Diamondbacks. Uh, 3.09 ERA, 75 innings. K's are up to 23.5%. Uh, the walks are up a little bit, but still really good at under 6%. The biggest key with me with Manai, and I've talked about him a bunch, and last year and the year before, I was like, you know, I think he's just a guy right now. And it's the, the key is the velocity. He's so weird. When he's throwing 89, he's super hittable. When he's throwing 91, 92, suddenly he's not. The curveball, the, yeah. the changeup look a lot better when he's throwing high. And he doesn't have to throw 96, but he throws 91, 92. And I've, I've sat up close a couple of times watching him, and the ball just jumps on guys. But when it's coming 88, 89, it doesn't. But 91, 92, it really changes who he is. And his whiff rate on his change and curveball are both over 33% right now. He's really getting guys out. It's because they have to respect the velocity on the heat. He's throwing both those guys, both those pitches hard too. Uh, where are you on Manaya right now? Is it someone you would uh, look to sell high? You're looking to, looking to hold right now? Where are you on, on my boy, Sean? Well, you just nailed one of the key changes that I noticed digging through the numbers was the jump in the curveball whiff rate is up about 9 to 10% overall from last year. Yep. And if that's here to stay, if he's made a change with that curve, and if the velocity is improving the deception and right. fooling hitters, I think we're looking at something to stick with. Yeah. And I've never been a Sean Maniah guy. He's got a guy I stream, right? He's a classic streamer to right. me, depending on league yeah. size. Home, home game against a, an average team, and you throw Maniah in there in a good ballpark, and it's good to go. But I agree with you. I think he's a hold right now, and I watch obviously watch him a bunch. Um, I just think when he's throwing 91 I 2 the ball jumps on a 6'5". He's a big guy. The, the Reese point's close to home, and that extra couple of uh, extra a couple of oomph on the, on the mile per hour is really important. Yeah, and this is a classic case again of a guy I've got to reconsider. And if he's making the changes that are legitimate, and you know he's not an old man by any means, seems like he's been around forever. Because Manaya's a name I've right. I just heard year after year yeah. after year, but he's still got a lot of life left in that arm. And of course, the park a park is always going to be an advantage. Yeah. That's why he's such a great streamer because we love Oakland pitchers at home because yeah. of the foul territory. Yeah, and you got I mean you got Chapman playing third and Olson playing first. You got Gold Glove corners there. When you Loriano's back playing center field, the defense is really good too. And I tell you what, guy makes a couple diving plays and saves you two guys on. It's unbelievable what that can do the ERA. Well, it's nice to hear that Matt Chapman can do something positive because he's killing good. my fantasy team this year. My um, home league in particular, I kept him, and I trusted that the hip would be good, and it's really been a bummer right now. I feel bad for him. He And he he looks lost, too. Like, I obviously watch a lot of A's games, and you watch at-bats, and my wife's a big A's fan. She, I hear her cursing him from the kitchen about three times a <laughs> night. Um and it's just, it's rough. He's not hitting anything hard. Even last year, he struggled. He's hitting the ball hard. 18% barrel rate. It's down to 9% this year. Hard hit rate's under 37%. He's striking out. Like, last year, the strikeout rate jumped. I'm like, I think that's probably the hip. He's never been a, he's a guy that kind of lowered his strikeout rate from 2017 to 2018, 2019. 
And it's the 2021's back at 2020. I'm I'm legit worried. I thought in April, I'm like, yeah, by mid-May, we'll be fine. And now we're in mid-June, and uh, I'm legit worried about them. That is what I wondered about. And you're an A's guy, so I can count on you to be inside at least, as much as a fan can be, right? right. Unless you have some insider knowledge I don't know about, Scott. If, uh, if I do, I won't reveal it here. <laughs> I didn't think so. But <laughs> we had a debate. I had a debate with a friend of mine a couple weeks ago about the hip and the fact that he could still play pretty damn good third base, but yeah. he can't quite hit. Now, I know you got to have that turn. you got to be able to put that middle into right. play with the bat, and that's an important part of the overall hitting process. But I guess at third, he, you're more of a stationary hot corner type guy, so maybe you don't have to be as as yeah. uh, range-friendly, I suppose. But I've been wondering if there was a difference between the hitting and the fielding with that hip, and that's what I've, that's what I've been confused about because the fielding's still been pretty darn good. Yeah, he's still he's still elite there. It's funny, uh, funny how draft works. Uh, Matt Noah in the chat said he was upset that someone took Chapman instead of Olson, and he settled for Olson. And it's <laughs> it's funny how we we prep so much, we think we know so much, and then we get to a point where Matt in a draft time is like, all right, I gotta take this guy, and talk about a dramatic difference in those two. That's 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 a huge bump up in your stats if you have Olson over Chapman. Oh, absolutely. And shout out to my guy, Carlos Marcano. He wrote an article about a year ago, Matt Olson, future MVP. It's looking uh, it. it's looking pretty good. I mean, he's not going to be the MVP, but he's definitely, definitely a solid player to own right now. Yeah, I mean, you got 38 runs scored, 41 RBIs, 15 home runs, hitting 276, which is the whole key to this thing. I mean, if he if he hits for average, suddenly he's a four-category guy, and that's that's a huge change. And he needs Loriano back. I like I like that offense when Loriano's really going. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah. been it's been fun. Uh, talk to you about another guy who's on fire right now, Tyler O'Neill. The guy is uh, clearly buff. He can clearly fill out a jersey, one of the uh, more impressive physiques in the league. Hitting 291, 15 home runs, five stolen bases. Hard hit rate is off the charts. 53% hard hit rate, 22% barrel rate. Uh, where are you on O'Neill? This is probably the biggest regret of my season so far. Drafted him in the main event, dropped him when he got hurt, and uh, you just can't do stuff like that. You can't drop a guy who has 15 home runs at this point. Well, speaking of main events, Scott, I tried to get him – Two weeks ago on a fab run, somebody dropped him. And this was when he was injured, so he was on the IL, and he was coming back. And I'm like, oh, man, I my team needs offense because my biggest problem on the main event is the hitting side. The pitching is okay, but the hitting is should We should get together because my team can rake and no one can pitch. <laughs> yeah, can we uh, allow NFBC to a, a, a league trade here? Two yeah, leagues I'll, getting together I'll, to improve call, the betterment? I'll call Greg and Tom, see what we can get worked out. Thank you so much, Tom, yeah. Greg, appreciate it. But <laughs> I got to tell you, I loved him coming into the season because of the combo. I wasn't expecting average. You don't expect average with Tyler. He's got pop, and he's fast. He's very athletic. Yes, he's strong and powerful, too, but he can move. He's always been able to move, and steals have been a part of his repertoire. And I thought that 10 steals would have been a nice bump this year, but we're well on our way to that. He's got five already, and the most he ever had in a minor league season was 16. So... I love him. I wish I had more of him. I lost that fab bid, of course, because somebody went 300 large on Tyler O'Neill. Oh, wow. They were like, hey, they recognized that they yep. were in trouble and that he was going to be a difference maker. And I have him in a couple of leagues, if I'm fortunate enough, but I still wish I had him in more leagues because I think uh, he is injury. He's been on the IL many times over the last couple of years outside of this season. Yep. But I think, you know, a 30, maybe not 20, but a 30 15 season is definitely looking really good right now. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I obviously in a in a league like that, he's been hugely valuable. If I'm in a trade league, I wonder if I'm going to dangle him as a sell high right now. I'm a little really? bit worried. K rates up to 34. percent uh, The walk rate's down to three percent. He's not walking at all. Um, his uh, his O swing is up six percent. Swinging a lot of pitches outside the zone. His contacts down there also. Um, he's swinging more. He's being aggressive. You could tell he's not not looking to walk. Wants to get it. He's hitting swinging at 53 percent highest of his career. 
He has a uh, he has a 42% whiff rate against breaking pitches. He does have eight home runs off. He's slugging well, but I just wonder if there's going to be, as we get further in the season, get, get a little bit of book on him, a little bit of adjustment. His swing strike rate's 19% right now. Um, he's never going to get higher than he is right now, and you know I, I think that holding him is fine. I think the power the power is going to be there. I just wonder that 291, I wonder if that's going to be like 235 by the time we blink it at September 1st. That's definitely a reality because he's not a 291 hitter. He just yeah. is not. And the BABIP's at 349 right now. That's yeah. that's pretty high for him. And I expect a drop-off in that department. But I just don't expect a drop-off in the power and the steals. But you're right. He's got to be on base to steal more bags. And if it's only home runs, then he's not going to be getting steals. So there's an interesting point you make there. I think I lie somewhere in the middle of what you and I are thinking right now. Yeah, I'm not, if I could get a really good price for him, maybe get someone that's struggling and I can make a swap that you couldn't imagine two months ago, I think that I, he'd be a guy that I'd probably probably do that with. Uh, another guy I want to ask you about who's going crazy, uh, Brandon Crawford. And I will fully admit at times when I just don't see something coming. And there's just – there is no no part – like Tyler O'Neill, I was like, I really like this. I'm going to draft him late. I see where the upside is. Brandon Crawford has 14 home runs. Brandon Crawford has uh, has, has topped 14 home runs once in his whole career. His whole career, he's over 14 home runs once. He's hitting 262, 41 RBIs. Um, what the hell is going on with Brandon Crawford? Because I th- he got hot early. I'm like, all right, so, you know, we've got a couple weeks of B-Craw. He's going to get hot. Uh, what's going on here? <laughs> it's gibberish. It's pure gibberish. It this is. is malarkey. I'm not buying into this for a second. You can guys go to town on it. Ride the hot streak. Just like Jonathan Scope, another guy who gets super hot, and you ride it out for the long, long, long time that it lasts. But when it's over, it's cold. And there's no way that you're going to convince me 34-year-old Brandon Crawford just figured out something and he's going to have three or four years of this. This is a fluke by late August. We'll be looking back. Remember when Brandon Crawford was on fire and he could could do no wrong? I'm not buying it. Even though the walk rate's up slightly, that's cool. I can see him walking more. He's a veteran hitter. I get that. But this, if he ends up with 23 home runs, I'll be really surprised. I really will. I'm just not buying it. So if you had set an over-under number, 23 and a half would be your number? Yes. All right. Definitely. I think that's fair. That's still nine more. And that's still like more than we would expect from him from a two thirds of a season. Anyway, he's in the ball harder. He's at 46 and a half percent harder. He's at barrel 16 and a half percent. But yeah, I mean, I just, I have a hard time buying this. Obviously if you happen to luck into him in, in fab or you picked him up late in the draft or something happened, like ride this while you can, but yeah, don't, uh, I wouldn't count on him to be a shortstop the next four months. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't certainly trade if you have a good shortstop, I wouldn't trade him because you got Brandon Crawford to step in for him. But um, it's wild. It's kind of fun. I mean, the Giants have been probably the best surprise story in baseball. Like it just everybody's yeah. like, oh, Dodgers, Padres, and nobody else. And the Giants have been, and they kind of hung there. Like you give me a month ago, I was like, oh, the Giants is a great story. But you know, right. talk to me on June 10th and um, <laughs> dumbass. Thirty-seven to twenty-two, program. unreal. Yeah, that they were that. I looked at their standings this week. Thirty-seven to twenty-two, the Giants. That's also a ticking time bomb. Also not buying that team overall. Just saying. They seem to work magic with pitchers, though. Everybody that goes there, I mean, Gossman last year, Alex Wood this year, although he struggled a little bit lately, uh, Desclafani. Yeah. They just, I, I think maybe they just, they are, they're just really good at working with pitchers. And that does happen. We saw that happen with Houston for a long time. Cleveland's obviously that way, too. Um, you know, coaching and that kind of stuff does matter. Maybe they found something that's working for them. Farhana does a great job in the front office. Um, but yeah, I think that. Uh, I don't know. I think the the second wild card might be in play for them if nobody really steps up. But obviously, I don't think they can hang with the Dodgers and Padres. And I'm not, I'm not really I'm not really breaking news right there. <laughs> I don't think you are at all. Uh, Gabe Kapler was a a fool in Philly, and now he's a genius. I right. once again, I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Yep. It all it all, it often always does. Um, 
Another shortstop, a guy who we've kind of been waiting on. He hit uh, he hit 22 home runs in, uh, in in his rookie year, 99 games as Carlos Correa. Never hit 25 home runs. If you told me that five years ago, I would have thought that that would be absolutely crazy after that rookie year. Right. Um, but he's he's raking. He's at, he's at 290. He's got 11 home runs, 41 runs, 34 RBIs. Obviously, he's benefiting huge from being in this lineup that is just mashes up and down the lineup. It seems like everybody hits this lineup. As an A's fan, it's frustrating to look up and see that like their top six guys are over 300 when nobody's hitting 300 in the league. It's 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 pretty wild. Um, he's got a huge drop in his strikeout rate, which I found interesting. He's down to 15 and a half percent. It looks like he actually might have adjusted and changed something. I gotta tell you. I have a lot of shares of Korea this year. I, Is that can man. we blame that on Vlad Sedler? Did you get did you get influenced? I was just gonna say <laughs> Vlad Sedler was yeah. tweeting a lot about him, and then I I hit D, I DM'd him a few times and said, "Hey Vlad, what's scoopy? You know something I don't?" Because Korea has been a perennial letdown, as you just described in tremendous detail. Yep. When he came up, I was in love with him. I'm like, oh look at this size. I, yeah. I saw like a rod flashes. I really yeah. did. I think I don't think you're the only one. And it's been anything but that. He just has not shown. I know the back thing, it's ruined a lot of careers and derailed a lot of players. Kristen Yelich, a late example of that. Uh, but he seems to be healthy. It's also a free agent year. And I know it doesn't always go that way where the guy right. who's going to be a free agent cashes in. But he seems to be on a mission. And if the back doesn't bother him and he's free to rip the ball, I really believe in what we're seeing because we always believed in this a few years ago. We just yeah. didn't quite get it right away, right? And I think it's a good, it's a good, uh, good point that like guys need to be healthy to be really good. Like there, he just, he felt like he was never fully healthy in 2019. He had the, the massage thing, obviously. And, you know, obviously something's wrong if that's, that's oh, yeah. causing that big of an injury. And, you know, last year, maybe he was still affecting that, but it seems like this is the first time since maybe like 2017 that he looks like fully, fully healthy. I had somebody hit me up. Uh, you know, you guys can send me trade analysis if you like at mj govier on twitter and somebody hit me up with a, this trade scenario i will get your take real quick right. this is for obp league uh, okay. head to head max muncie yimi garcia and ty france so muncie garcia and france okay. for correa mullins and alec manoa correa cool. mullins and manoa which side do you like better that's a really good trade i mean obviously it depends although head to head you know, it depends if you need some saves because that, that impacts a lot True. um and I obp like who was the third guy in the Muncie? It was Muncie, Yimi, and who? Muncie, Yimi, and Ty France. Uh, I'm going to go the second side. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to get Manoa and Correa. I think I, I think I like that side. I like getting the shortstop and Correa. I know Muncie's eligible kind of everywhere, but uh, I'm a big Manoa guy too. And um, if you, I'm, I'm going to take the big horse starting pitcher over the uh, the maybe closer on the on the lesser team. I think I think I like the Correa side. Where'd you land? <laughs> Well, Scott, I feel bad for this guy. Uh, Miguel, I owe you an apology. I really do. This was uh, last Friday, the previous Friday, right before the weekend, last weekend, where Correa and Mullins had massive weekends, double yep. dong games, too. Yep. I told them to go with the Muncie, Yimi, Ty France side because it's right. OBP, and I liked Muncie as an OBP guy. He's a monster, monster in OBP. There's no doubt. And I, I love Yimi. I think he's a really good closer. I really believe it's his job forever. And I like Ty France a lot. I Big, big, big preseason discussions and soliloquies about how Ty France could actually win a batting title in Seattle. I, I oh, went wow. way off the reservation a bit. I admit that that's, freely, that's, but that's a bold take. I, well, yeah. I think it was part of our uh, insane fantasy takes, which I do right. on our show. Okay. And you, I, I say bold, you say insane. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Right. Uh, you know, tomato, tomato, but <laughs> Ty France is a special player. I still believe that he's not a power guy, but I think that bat average hard to find average these days right. i think it's a special bat still but it hasn't quite it, you know, we haven't got that so far this year he was hurt and he went on the il with the wrist issue so we'll see 
Muncie, uh, you talk OBP though. Muncie's OBP is 420. That's really hard to argue too much. That's that's as elite as it gets. And 331 last year. I mean, obviously the last year, uh, small sample, and he just wasn't it wasn't the same. But uh, he's been 18 and 18.9% walk rate is pretty bonkers. But are you a uh, you know Mullins has been a really really hot topic on my show. Or anytime I hear somebody talking and ask a question, they want to know is Cedric Mullins for real? Is Cedric Mullins for real? All over the map. People are talking about him. And I think what we are seeing from him is a legitimate player who could provide speed. And not a lot of pop, but enough that in Camden Yards in the summertime where the ball flies out yep. is worth your time. It's funny. I made a I made a joke, and I was totally joking around on Twitter in the preseason. Someone was like, Mullins this, and hit leading off. And I was like, yeah, but he's leading off. That's 700 bats of 235. That's tough to take. And I was just kind of joking around. <laughs> and now it's been retweeted at me like 4,000 times. So, um <laughs> I actually am. I think that I think that uh, abandoning the switch hitting was a big thing for him. I think that uh, just kind of focusing and concentrating on hitting hitting lefty and just doing that is big. I mean, look at his hard hit race at forty percent, which I don't think we ever thought it would be a thing for him. Uh, it's a speed power combo. It's just hard to find nine steals, nine home runs. Um, I don't think the three twenty three is real. I mean, I think that the three seventy two Babbitt's trying to come down, but I think he's a fast guy. Yeah. The Babbitt's going to be high as it is. I mean, he was three fifty last year. I think that, uh, but I think if he hits two. 75 and gives you uh, some home runs and a bunch of steals. It's, it's hard to argue that the guy leading off in a really good park to hit, especially in the summer. Great park to hit. And uh, I used to live in Baltimore a couple years ago. Love that park. Yeah. Ball flies. I saw Chris Davis. Remember Chris Davis? Yeah. When he was uh, still which, functioning, which, which one? Cause they're both long forgotten now. Yeah, that's true. Not K Chris Davis, uh, yeah. Chris Davis, the original cool. 50 homer masher. Used yeah. to play for the Rangers. I watched him crush a ball from behind home plate. I never sat behind home plate like seven, eight rows behind there, and it launched it into right field off the warehouse. Beautiful park, and that ball flies in the summertime. And I'm expecting what you said, too. I was saying 270 might be a floor for Mullins' batting average. I yeah. think that's very, very fair. It's funny. I went to one game in Camden. My wife was pregnant. We did like a four stadium trip when she, I was, I had to be in the East coast on two different weekends and I didn't want to fly back for just like three days back to California. So she came out, we went to Philly, uh, Cooperstown, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And we went to Baltimore and like, it was the most ridiculous like rainstorm I've ever seen. Like the, the, the the sky looked like it was like the world was going to end. And I was like, what is going on? I'm used to California. Like we don't have this kind of stuff, but so we, there was nobody left by the time the game started. I'm like, it's the only game here. We got to stay. So we're sitting like three rows behind home plate. And Miguel Sano homers, the guy next to me goes bonkers. Like it's his son or something. <laughs> and I, but it, it doesn't look like anything, anything like Miguel Sano. So I knew they weren't related. And I looked at him, he's like, oh, I'm, a, I'm his agent. So we sat there and talked to him, talked to him as his agent. <laughs> really? So guy tells me that Miguel Sano is going to be the first $400 million player. Not Bryce Hyper or Mike Trout, but Miguel Sano. And I was like, all right, I think I think that maybe, uh, maybe we've gone a little crazy because he homered tonight. But I was like, yeah, I see the pop in the bat, but $400 million, I don't know if we're getting there. So it was uh, – <laughs> That's the best story I've heard in a while, man. That's nice. that's a good one. That's a knee slapper. Really. I went nuts on the home run. It was so, and there's like there were literally 400 people left. But they actually announced over the PA you can sit wherever you want, which is beautiful. So everybody, oh, we were, we already had good seats because we were going to one game. But I'm like, yeah, everybody, come down. You know, it was good. But uh, it was it was really funny. But 400 million, I'll never forget that. I'm like, all right. I, I think we're done here now. Yeah, that um, perspective is so wild on players. Even yeah. a couple years later, we're talking Correa, talking Sano, so yeah. much hype, and then the reality shows up, and you're still sitting there waiting, yep. like, "Hey, where, where's that player?" You're I was. Still, you're still striking out a ton and hitting some bombs here and there, but yeah, it's uh, tough to make 400 million when you hit a buck 85. I don't think that's ever going to correlate very well. <laughs> also, um, not a very likable guy. That that's cool. yeah, there is that's, that too. Uh, I won't get too far into that, but yeah, that doesn't really help his marketability either. Um, let's talk about a guy that went nuts in the playoffs last year. Randy Arozarena was someone that was interesting to, to talk about preseason. I mean, the, the price he he was awesome in the playoffs. Price went way up. He was like a well, like a late third, early, more like an early fourth rounder in, in, in main events. 
Um, hitting 261, so I think kind of right in the middle there. But 10 stolen bases have been really big for him. He's really running a lot. Only seven home runs. Um, home, run, home run to fly ball is a 13% right now. So I think the home runs are going to come. He was 46% last year, which is obviously a super small sample. That was never going to happen. But um, <laughs> I think Rosario is an interesting guy. There was a lot of talk about him in the preseason. Like, you know, how, how much of this is real? Do we buy the postseason? Do we not? How much is it? What's the power, power speed guy? Where are you on a Rosarina now? That we're seeing like two full months of him hitting, you know, top of the order in Tampa Bay in, in a regular season. Well, Rosarena, Zach Plesek, and Kevin Biggio, three of the most bantered about names all offseason, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, everywhere, people were talking, hey, what's the real story with these guys? Right. And after that legendary postseason, Whew. God, I loved a Rosarena last year. And when okay. he got called up, I wrote him to a victory in my home league in a head-to-head oh, nice. league. And it was a nice boost. But that's, uh, that's, in- a, that's a nice step ahead of everybody. That's well done. Yeah, I lucked out. I mean, I I really liked his profile, and I, I did some advanced leg work on him. It's just one of those things where you sometimes go deeper on a player yep. at a certain point, and you luck into it because you find out something. And then he also delivers, of course. It's a very important part of that equation. But I got pissed because he, he had that incredible postseason, and he skyrocketed his value. I was really looking for him in a redraft leagues yep. coming into 2021 at like, oh, ADP 200, maybe, maybe 180, 150 at worst, but he goes up and does yep. what he does, and now... I'm not paying that price. So I didn't get him anywhere. I, d- I didn't get him in a seat, a single league because I was afraid of paying too high of a price for a guy I really like, but I still wanted to see some stuff. But bottom line, Scott, is that I really like him a lot. I love his profile. I think it's here to stay. He can do just about everything, in my opinion. And even though the Rays are going to Ray, which means, you know, they play with their lineups. They, haven't, they haven't raised too much with him, though, which I've been impressed. Right. Him, him and Meadows, they have. They did a little bit Meadows when he was cold early. But him and Rosarena, they, they seem like they've kind of avoided that a little bit, which I've been happy about. That's the key right there. That's what I was going to say. So, Rosarina, give me all the shares. I've been trying to actually target him. I hope nobody in my home league is watching this. They probably are. And In fact, I, I've learned this, Scott. You know, you've been in the biz for a while, and as a newcomer, <laughs> suddenly people seem to be treating me differently in my home league. I'm the same guy I was, but, like, I can't get a trade to go through. I feel like everybody thinks I'm trying to swindle them and that I know something a little bit more than they do, and I really don't. I just know what they know. And it's really kind of frustrating. It's a syndrome, I guess, of being a public analyst. But yeah, it's funny. My my daughter's going into kindergarten this fall, and I can already tell. Like as we're doing parent meetings, they ask, you know, what do you do? What do you sign? And I'm like, oh boy, I know it's going to be. I'm going to be the person going to be texting for fantasy football news on Sunday morning. Like, should I start this guy or this guy? And it's going to be terrible. <laughs> yep. I just, yeah, it's a small price to pay. I love I, doing this. I, I do too. I, I just know I'm going to give the wrong call on every running back call on Sunday mornings, and then gotta go <laughs> gotta go drop her off at kindergarten. I'm gonna get bad looks. It's going to be fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. Another guy who was uh, super hyped coming off 2020 is Dominic Smith. Um, I wonder on Dominic Smith if we super overestimated the small sample in 2020. You look at that, and he was uh, he had 10 home runs, hit 316, um, 47% hard hit rate, 13% barrel rate. And those numbers were so far away from his norm. Um, hard hit rate this year down to 37%, barrels at 7.5%, which is kind of his career average. I think that as you look at his career, like, okay, that's what we kind of expect. But I think everybody kind of took thought maybe he's taking the step up. We talk about Ray's going to Ray. The Mets are going to Mets him a little with him. Although with everybody hurt, they didn't have, I haven't done as much of that. But um, where are you at Dominic Smith? Is this like where we're at right now with Dominic Smith? Is this Dominic Smith? Or are we just maybe looking at a, a slump before he gets back to 2020? Where do you feel on him? Because he's a guy that I had a lot of trouble trying to figure out where to slot this year. And I ended up not getting him, but um, I just had trouble figuring out where to where to put him it's funny i don't know if you did this intentionally or not scott but a I lot of these not. guys again oh, no, okay <laughs> without even knowing what i was gonna say no, i did uh, not, no, I did not. Uh, <laughs> he's 25 another 25 year old and 
there's still a lot of opportunity for growth yep. here. But like you, I did not draft him in a single league because I thought his ADP was too high. He was going around like 110-ish, anywhere from 110 to 120, sometimes as high as 100. I couldn't do that because even though I like his bat, the Mets had loaded up on talent in the offseason. They signed a ton of people. Yep. And you know, they're fortunate they did because they still had to trade for people like Billy McKinney to fill out yep. their roster with all the injuries they've had. Yeah, I remember, I remember they said Kevin Pillar. We're like, oh, that makes no sense. And all of a sudden he's like, he's just playing every day. It's crazy. Right. He, he was really valuable. He is valuable to them now. Yeah. And I picked him up in a main event league until he got hit in the face, unfortunately. But yeah. Dominic Smith is a guy who is certainly a quality hitter, kind of a classic hitter, in a sense like Ty France with a little bit more pop, in my opinion. Okay. But not worth not worth the time and the struggle. Although with J.D. Davis being sidelined, who I thought would be a big problem for him, would hinder Dominic Smith's playing time. In fact, I'm sure you heard this in the preseason, Scott. People were saying that, Pete Alonso would lose playing time to Dominic Smith at first, which I thought was the most ludicrous thing I'd ever heard. No way. No. He's a face in New York over there. That would just not happen. Even though they love Dominic Smith, it's just not a reality. And he's a good player. I think he's a really good bat. I think he's steady as she goes, but he's not somebody I'm making an effort to get. I don't, I think there's actually some growth here because he's kind of struggled in the early part of the season. But as more players start to come back, and more opportunities start to go away, I will be a little concerned about the original concern, which was playing time. Yeah, it's funny. I don't think we ever thought Jonathan VR would be playing nearly as much as he's played. And he's, uh, you know, five home runs, six stolen bases. He's, he's helped teams, but um, he's still the same guy. He's hitting 247 with 14 RBIs. And it's just, if he's playing every day, you've got, you've got a problem. Absolutely agree. So talk to me about uh, a guy that I have avoided for years and is backfiring this year is Robbie Ray. Um, 64 and a third innings, 3.360 ERA. My thing with Robbie Ray was always that he had two problems. He gave up a lot of hard contact and he walked a ton of guys. I was like, if you get rid of one of those, I might be okay with, you know, squinting and seeing back because the strikeouts are huge. He gives you some innings and he's got a 30, what, 31% strikeout rate. I mean, it's huge. He's a really, he's among the top guys in starting pitchers and strikeout rate, but it was always those two problems. Well, He's got a 5.7% walk rate right now, which is so far and away his best. Like it's so much better than it was the last couple of years. It's interesting. Though, you still look at the hard contact. He is the, he's the second highest in hard hit rate among all qualified starters. Garrett Richards is first, which is not surprised to anybody, but mm-hmm. the barrel rates, 11 and a half percent. How much of this are you buying? Are you buying the, are you buying the walk issue, walk issues being uh, solved? Are you buying them just like a hot streak? It's crazy. His slider has never been over 86 miles an hour in his career. It's, he's throwing at 89 right now. Like his velocity is way up. His fastball is at a career high, 95. I don't think we saw, I don't think I ever saw him ramping up the velocity this much. But where are you on uh, on Ray right now? He's, he's someone that I missed out on and it's it's stinging right now. Yeah, I completely missed out as well. I'll join you in that parade. And as a Tigers guy, you know, I live in the Metro Detroit area, grew up a Tigers fan, and we had him a long time ago. Yep. And he was a pretty exciting player. And then he went off to Arizona and became the strikeout machine, even more so than he was in Detroit in his early stages. This Robbie Ray we're seeing now, Scott, it's it's hard to believe, but last yes. year there was talk about mechanical changes that people yep. were excited about. I, mem- I remember I read several articles. I talked to people about it. They were like, oh, yeah, Robbie Ray's going to be a different pitcher in 2020. He really wasn't. But now he is. Do the Blue Jays know something we don't? Have they made that permanent alteration to give you this new version of Robbie Ray? I mean, he's still, like you said, getting hard hit pretty hard. That's cause for concern, in my opinion. If he makes a couple mistakes, that could change a start pretty quickly. So, but without walking those two guys in front of the three-run homer, it's, it's I, I can give up the solo homer. It's funny. It's funny you talking about the mechanical change last time. I remember that. I remember that for sure. And then he came out and walked nine guys his first two starts. And we're like, <laughs> all right. 
forget this. But I don't know. Maybe it just took a while for those mechanical changes to change. But that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about that in terms of I remember that last year being the hype. And I mean, he's the walk rate is it's so far and away off his career norms. Just wild. It's hard to buy into. But we're looking at June 10th. At some point, it's real, right? That's the thing. The walks in you did a really good job of selling the fact that it was such a drastic change. This yeah. is the one of the most drastic changes we've really ever seen in recent memory. Is it going to be the same way come August? It seems like it might, but million dollar question. But that's the thing. He started. He walks ten percent. Suddenly, those that hard hit really, really matters. But um, yeah. And uh, I don't know. A at least is tough in the summer. Maybe it's just the tight pants are just causing him to walk <laughs> those guys because it. He's really he's really ramped up the pants game for sure. I'll tell you this: the pants are incredible, and you can't <laughs> you cannot overstate the importance of a sexy pair of baseball pants. <laughs> but the question is here. I assume listeners and watchers are saying, hey, what should I do with Robbie Ray? It's great. Yep. Yeah, we know what he's doing. What should we do here? And I would consider selling high. I really would, just because it's never going to get better than this. And there's got to be a slight regression. Even if he's not as amazing as he's been, it's going to be a bit of an adjustment here. So that I think that's my opinion here. I would be looking to sell. Because it costs you nothing anyways. You probably picked him up at the very end of a draft or on your waiver wire. And if it had been like a couple years of bad walks, but he's an over a 10% walk guy in the last four years. I mean, this is a long history. And I just, when I get like weird, crazy outliers like this over two months, I tend to think that that's a really good opportunity. Every once in a while, you're going to just miss on someone that just fixed something and they solved it. But, you know, I think we see so many guys that get hot for two months and all of a sudden go back to who they were. And I, I, I just, I can't imagine he ends the year with a 6% walk rate. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, Paul Mamino, he works with me at Rotofanatic. He's a really smart guy. He does a GPS report every Thursday. He did an article about Robbie Ray, and he said one of the improvements Ray had made was uh, the fastball in the zone more often, and he okay. was getting better production out of that, and it was a slight improvement. So I, I would encourage people to look further, read articles like that, take a look at what you've seen, and then dig into the data and make a bottom-line decision. I think there are true changes. There really are. You've described them. I've described them but I still think I'd rather find somebody who's struggling because overall philosophy, fantasy baseball 101 for me, I'm sure it is for you. I prefer to always sell high and buy low. It's just a yeah. philosophy that works time and time again. It just wow. I mean, you look at 20, like even you look at like 2016, 2017, his slider was 85 miles an hour, 89 right now. It's just, I don't know, maybe he's, I don't know what he's doing, but it's certainly working. Yeah. It is working right now, and we'll see how long it lasts. And if it lasts at the end of the year, you'll look back at this podcast and be like, see, that Govia guy is a doofus, doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, another guy who's coming off a bad year and is playing really well but has some you know metric stuff that's concerning is Javier Baez. Um, hit 240, but 14 home runs, nine stolen bases already this year. I mean, last year he had, what, eight home runs and three stolen bases and more, more plate appearances. So it's just – Wait, what's the problem there, Scott? Wait. Yeah, everything you just said—it sounds like he's having. That's a bias season. You described it to a T. So it, it is. It's it's wild. They just—he has more. He had more. He had more than twelve stolen bases once ever, and he has nine already. Um, it's crazy though. The K rate's way up. It's at thirty-seven percent, the highest since his rookie year when he had a massive number. We're like, oh, this guy's never going to be good. And he finally he fixed some of that, but now he's back up there. Swinging strike rate is twenty point six percent right now, tied for highest in baseball, tied with uh, Michael Taylor with the with the Royals. He's hitting it hard, thirteen percent barrel, forty two percent hard hit rate. You know, not massive, but but really really good on the uh, on the barrel. Just pretty good on the hard hit. Still never walks. Um, if I give you the two forty right now as his final batting average, you go over or under? I'm going to go under because of his overall profile and the season we are currently having with awful batting average. I'm going to go with that just based off those two pieces of information. What if I say 225? 
Yeah, I could. I'll take the over. I guess. Yeah. I think I still go a little bit under. I'm I'm pretty concerned <laughs> he's gonna have like a he's gonna have like an 098 month at some point here. I just think the I think the swing and miss is really concerning right now. He's kind of reverting back to that guy who swung at everything. And I mean, obviously, Talon Series is one of those guys that kind of you throw metrics out a little bit in the in the prime of his career because he just hits the ball so hard. And he's just kind of one of those guys that the talent kind of plays out over everything else. But man, this it's so extreme right now. The 20 and a half percent swing strike, I mean, that's just huge. And I gotta figure that. Pitchers will adjust as the year goes on. I, I just think I think we're looking at some bumpy roads here for Baez. Baez is a 302 career OBP, and oh. for a guy that is talked about in, you know, he is he's talked about as one of the better players. Yep. He's definitely a great defensive whiz, and he has yep. moments of streakiness. Yep. But I don't know how in OBP leagues you could really. What does he really bring to you beyond that profile? That's like, oh, okay, I can roll with this in my season. I just don't he's, see it. He's 276 right now OBP. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> I, I knew I knew it was low because he never walks, but that's yeah. That, I mean that's that's just a, that's a huge that's a huge scar on your team right there. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, one last guy I want to talk about before we get to some quick bullpen talk. I want to ask you about some bullpens. But uh, how are you and Freddie Peralta? Are you fully buying this? Uh, are you fully buying this breakout? Two point two five ERA. His, his start got cut short today, which kind of sucked. Both him and Castillo had pitched four really good innings. It started raining, and then Castillo came out, walked a couple of guys, and of course Lucas Siggs came in and gave up the inherited runners. But um, you know the K rate is K rate on Peralta is crazy for a start. It's thirty seven percent. That was before <laughs> today. I, it went up. He had six strikeouts in four innings today. So I'm sure it went up a little bit. Uh, I don't know how many batters he faced total for the K rate, but uh, walk rate's a bit high. It's ten point eight percent. Hard hit rates kind of medium. It's it's fine. Um, his bat up's really low. It's 188. Strand rate's 85. percent We're gonna see some regression there. But um, how much are you buying in on this Peralta as, as a full as a full go breakout right now? Well, I can actually feel good about this one, and I find this to be the case. The teams that I drafted closer to the beginning of the season are some of the teams that are doing better. So All I right. kind of figured things out as I was going along in my process. And that's, a good, that's a good. That's a good sign for your research. That means that you're doing something. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, right. That feels good. And Freddie Peralta was a guy that I picked up. I play in Glarf, the Great Lakes area Roto Fantasy yep, yep, yep. League, part of those regional leagues. And yep. Freddie Peralta has been a huge boost for me. Yeah. Again, Scott, a guy who's 25. Weird. So weird. Uh, he's got a lot. A lot of regression, though, that could be coming. That's my real big concern here. I think we know, we know he's a strikeout artist. This is always going to be part of his game. It's the classic guy who could strike out a ton, but the walks and the wildness are always going to be an issue for him. Uh, I look around at the profile, and I see some elite numbers from all the expected stats. And when you look at the hard hit rate, you know, 35%. And I just think this is a guy who's really, really good, but there's got to be a bit of a period here where things can't be this good. All the numbers you just laid out are really, really nice, but it feels like they're a bit extreme. There's a little bit of a pullback due here. So I love him. Dynasty leagues, keeper leagues, I'm keeping him. I'm hanging on to him for sure. I might consider selling. High. I also think about the innings limit here too. Are we, we haven't really talked about that. Yeah. I don't know how much you really uh, concern yourself with the innings limitations for pitchers this year after the 2020 season cut us short. But it's something I think about and I put into the process of like, hey, I got to move this guy because he's not going to be there for me in August or September. And it's concerning with him because he threw he threw under 30 innings last year. And Milwaukee came out uh, earlier in the preseason and said, we're going to add 100 to everybody. And I don't. I can't fathom that they're anywhere near in the mix. They just shut him down at 129. I just can't see that happen if he's rolling well. But 
It's interesting. He's really changed how he pitches, though. He threw uh, he threw he threw five percent sliders last year. He's throwing thirty one percent sliders right now. I mean, he's right. completely overhauled. He's, he's he throws the curve less. His four seamer he throws twenty percent less than last year. So he's really and I think a lot of that is going from being kind of that reliever guy last year. He only made one start to kind of having to adjust and be a starter and get deeper into games and you have, he has to show that pitch more. Um, I mean, the whiff rate in the slider is forty five percent. The batting average against is one forty seven. That pitch is nasty. He can keep throwing that at 31% and stay out there for five or six innings. I, I still love him. I mean, I think if it's a sell-high guy if you can really get something great, but it'd have to be something really good. I'd have to be blown away to move him right now. I would agree with that. I also see a situation where they're very much in contention. They're in first place, I believe, at the NL Central. Yep. Where he gets put in that kind of mid-range, you know, the swing-type guy where he's going to give you three to four innings and maybe not starting as the season goes along because – it's just a reality. I mean, I, I I need these teams to show me that they're going to push guys yeah, who have not been this far to the limits because they've never done that before. There's always complaints about we got to limitate, we got to limit pitch counts, we got to limit innings. So why would that change now? Yeah, I just wonder if maybe like in mid July we get a three week like I'm going to have Freddie Peralta take a break and make up an injury and have him sit for a while. <laughs> it, it could really happen. Definitely, that is definitely happening. I, I would lock that in immediately. I would, but I, I'm with you. It'd be hard to trade him. I do understand that, but. You know, sell high, get a huge package. If it could help you in another area, I'm never opposed to it necessarily. Let's talk some bullpens real quick before I ask you a few personal questions at the end. I'd like to do that with all guests. Um, we'll talk about a couple of bullpens that are impossible to figure out. And I want to start with you because you're a Tigers fan. Um, is Cisnero the guy that you're buying in in Detroit right now? What do you? How, how do you feel about uh, if you had to pick someone to get the most saves in the Tigers bullpen the rest of the way, who would it be? You know, I wrote this out and I really looked into this because when someone says, hey, we're going to talk bullpens, you can't just show up, even if you know a lot about the game. Right. There's, <laughs> there's I like so that. Many... Hey, show yeah, up prepared but... is a good thing to be. It is, yeah. I, and I, particular with bullpens, have never been more confused. And the Tigers are another example of that because Michael Fulmer became the guy there for like a week. Yep. And it was, re I really, I said on my show, I do a Sunday Feb show as well, and I'm like, hey. This is the guy now. Fulmer's the closer until further notice. And then he goes on the IL like a week later. So yeah. we're back to square one with Cisnero and Soto. And, you know, Joe Jimenez is back on the major league roster. So he's oh, technically in the mix, but he's not 20, a reality. 2020 nightmares of that guy. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, there's a oh. lot of them out there. Uh, I avoided that, fortunately. But I actually, I still think Soto's the best arm here. I really do. He's not being used that way. Again, he's being used in crucial situations, but not for the saves. So my gut tells me right now, based on what I've been looking at with the game logs and the A.J. Hinch's decision-making, Cisnero might be the guy right now, but I still think Soto's the best arm. I just wonder, like, if they really wanted Soto to be the guy, like, wouldn't it have just been the guy a month ago? I just, uh, I worry about that. And I worry about the walks with Soto. I think you're right. I think you're right about the best arm. But, man, the guy, I just, I hate watching a closer when he comes in and walks the first two guys. It's so frustrating. I mean, the walk rate's 15.5% right now. It's it's an issue. Um, I don't know. Cisnero's kind of interesting. He's uh did a 27% K rate last year, 3.03 ERA. Uh, been so pretty good so far there with his Ks, 31%. I just he used to have some walk issues, and he's been better about that the last couple of years. I, I think maybe he's the guy for the next like three or four weeks here. You know what? You know, I, like I said, I do believe Cisnero might be the guy right now. I do, yeah. and you make a good point about Soto. He has not been able to show. All he has is the you know the killer fastball. He's yeah. a two pitch guy. Oh, best. great, great arm for sure. Yeah, and he's also a lefty, and, you know, apparently lefty closers aren't always a thing, too. I, I know that there's always room for change, but I, I agree. Cisnero is the guy today. Lock it in. If you have Soto in a 15-team, are you holding him for the thought that the second half you think he's the guy? That is just the most difficult question to answer, <laughs> but I never should. I don't want to ask easy questions. That's no fun. 
Right. I've actually, in main events, I also play in other 15 teams, and I've been looking and looking like, oh, gosh, Soto's available. Should I pick him up? I need a save. And I've I've tried it. So I think it's worth a flyer, but I definitely wouldn't spend more than like eight fab bucks to do it, maybe okay. less. And if you if you rostered him right now, you'd hold for a little bit and kind of see how this works out for the next couple of weeks? I, I think so. I think we we know that Fulmer, I don't know if Fulmer comes back for a while, really. We don't have a timetable as far as I know. So, yes, I think it's worth... Okay. Because, like, Soto's, his last one, two, three, four, five, six performances have been pretty darn good, you know? The whip has been low and the ERA's down. He's just not getting the saves, but they like to use him in the situations. So. Yeah. Uh, what about Seattle? Uh, it's obviously been a mess with Kendall Graveman on the COVID IL. He's been quarantining in San Diego. He's back with the team. He's going to probably do a couple of, uh, sounds like a couple of rehab outings. Uh, if you got to pick someone, um, I think Rafael Montero and Kenyon Middleton are pretty blah. And I just, I really don't have an interest in the one. I, I thought Montero was one of the most overdrafted guys in leagues. I just, I just didn't see it. Um, I, I realized I traded for him. He's going to be the guy. I just didn't see it. Is Graveman going to lead the league and lead the team in saves the next four months? Or do you see them using him in, in high leverage spots or are you just avoiding the Mariners altogether? Well, it's best, of course, to avoid it altogether, but yeah. that's not the world we live in. We yeah, are. Unfortunately, stuck- uh, I wish I could avoid all these teams, really, but you can't. That's why you guys are listening and watching. You want to know what we think. And yeah. hey, you probably know as well as anybody out there. Trust me, it is a complicated mess. And I agree with you on Montero, Scott, because I just didn't. I thought it was a fluke last year what he did. It was a short bozo season, and I wasn't expecting much out of him. And I can't believe the Mariners traded for him. It was good on the Rangers for trading him when they did. Yeah. But, really. but, yeah, I did listen to one person, and I got talked into drafting Montero in my home league. It's the only share I had of him. And I've never dropped him the whole time. But he's given me seven saves, yeah. which is weird. So probably, so, I mean, it's seven saves. He probably hasn't killed you no matter what, the four and a half year or whatever it is. But I He's just, had blowups. Yeah. He has. I don't, I, don't, I don't love him as a pitcher. I think he's just kind of just a guy. I, I mean, Graveman's guy hasn't given up a run yet this year. Granted, he hasn't pitched for two and a half weeks. But I mean, <laughs> he comes out. It's frustrating as an A's fan. He comes out, he's coming out throwing 102 or whatever he was doing. I was like, what, where did this guy come from? Like, what's going yeah, on what? here? But, um. <laughs> He'd be, he'd be the only guy in this bullpen that I would choose to own in a 15-teamer right now. I completely agree. I do it have def- him in a couple definitely in a 12-teamer, teams. too. Yeah, in a 12-teamer, I, I want no part of Montero or Middleton. I'll just avoid it unless I can get some Graveman shares. Yeah, I'm with you. Middleton's no much better, in my opinion. He's just a guy as well. Yeah. This is a mess. I think Graveman is a good player. I really I like Graveman the most. If he's healthy and ready to rock, I think he's worth owning, but we just don't know when or how that'll play out. Yeah, you just don't know how that how the COVID's going to affect him. I mean, it could be a guy that you know is fine once he comes off. Could be a guy that affects him for a month. We saw that a lot last year with you know guys like Moncada and Austin Meadows. So, That's uh, true. what what about Minnesota? Um, I think we can we can agree that Alex Colomay was not a good draft pick by me. Uh, but we've got <laughs> we've got Hansel Robles. We have Taylor Rogers. Uh, I'm way more in the Rogers camp as a better pitcher. But again, you talk about the lefty thing and maybe the matchups. Are we just going to see a, a 50-50 kind of thing here based on matchups? Or do you like one of these guys kind of to ride and maybe acquire for the rest of the way? I just don't know how I can look into the camera with the straight face and tell you, he's the guy right here. Yeah. I got the twins closer for you. Right. It's just it's so hard to determine. This is the bullpen. We'll talk about Kansas City in a second. But right there yeah. with Kansas City, two of the most complicated bullpens there are. Yeah, With three guys who have been legit closers at one time of the career, right? Yep. I like Rogers the best, too. I think he's the best pitcher. I really do. I think he's got the best stuff, but he's just so inconsistent. Doesn't seem, maybe it's a mental thing. I don't know. He doesn't seem to be built for the role. Maybe they all felt inferior because they signed all these guys and brought them together. Like, oh, they don't have any faith in me. Rogers is panicking from the moment they signed Robles and Colome. I don't know. But it's not worked out. And for you to tell me who the Twins closer is would be a big help because I have no idea. I really don't. 
All I know is I look at Robles, I see the 3.04 ERA. I'm like, oh, he's pitched pretty well. Then I lose, and then I see the 15 and a half percent walk rate, and I'm like, there's just no way I want that. I just, and he doesn't strike enough guys for me to be okay with the walks. He's 25 percent. He's fine, but not like a you know one of the you know, Karinchek guy where you're like, all right, well he strikes out so many guys that you can deal yeah. with a couple of walks because he'll just punch everybody out and end the inning. Um, I think Robles is due for some some bumps and some hiccups here. I would certainly. Uh, per much prefer Rogers, but I agree with you. It just doesn't seem like they're going to pick a guy and, and go with him right now. I, I will tell you, at one point in the season so far, for all three of these guys, I've been convinced that they were the closer at one time. I when, I went for when were you convinced about Colomay? Oh, preseason. Because I was going to say, no, 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 no. Opening no, day, right. I was like, I'm done with Colomay. <laughs> no, I didn't draft a Colomay at all. So I, I feel for you there because I've made mistakes like that too. But I actually thought after he lost the job and was so bad that there was a slight turnaround happening there in like early May. I'm like, okay, bit, now's yeah. the time to pounce on yeah. Colomay. And he's going he's gonna to come back and take the job because he's a veteran. He's bounced yep. back before. That is not what happened. So I was wrong there. And I think the problem is that Robles has kind of filled that righty role. They wanted someone to, to split with Rodgers. And I think Robles might give that back at some point. But yeah, I don't know. So you mentioned Kansas City. That's another one. And this might be the one that I just want no part of. If, if Josh Stalmont's <laughs> available, maybe. Uh, he's got 3.28 in 24 innings. He's back off the IL. Um, another guy that walks too many guys, 12.5% walk rate. But a 26% strikeout rate, he's he's good there. But here's the thing. You look at Greg Holland, and last year we're like, he actually pitched pretty well. He dropped the walks. He actually did some stuff. The walk rate's back to 14%. Uh, I, just, I think Holland's a, a no-go for me. Uh, if I had to do anything here and I had him in a 15 team round, and get a 12 teamer, I might just avoid it. If they're all in the waiver, I think I might just not bid on them. The 15 teamer would probably be Stalmont for me. Do you see anything different here at all? Yeah, I bid on Stalmont a couple weeks ago. He got a few saves and it looked good, but then he went on the IL with a knee issue. Yeah. And now he's back. And I was less excited for some reason because of the chaos. You've mentioned yeah. it. I mean, what, can you, what can you do here, Scott? What can we really yeah. do? We, you're picking your poison with the team that is actually. They're actually like the Mariners and the fact that they're better than people think. You know, they're right around 500. So there's saves to be had. And I always uh, prescribe to the theory that even if a team's bad, there's still saves yeah. to be had. Like you can have a 30, 30 save closer on a bad team. Usually those teams don't win games 12 to 1. So if they're going to win games, which they will, <laughs> bad teams win 60 games. It's going to be close games. They're going to get saves. I, I'm always okay with that, too. That's a good point. That's exactly how it goes. Stomont, he's good. I love his stuff, but he walks too many guys, like you said. And if they're trying to do trade bait situations, this is the one thing that gets me confused about all of these teams. Trade deadline moves, trying to package a veteran like Colome or a Greg Holland, Wade Davis. Good Lord. I mean, there are so many guys yeah. in these bullpens that they could try to trade and get some type of, you know, small time prospect, most likely. So do they want to put the veterans in the roles so that they can provide a return for a team? You know, the, the Mariners and the Royals are decent teams, but they're not going to the playoffs. They know that. So I wonder how that will play into the decision-making for these teams. But right now, I agree. Stolmont's the guy I like. I like Zimmer a lot. He had a really good outing uh, the other day. I think he struck out four and one and two-thirds, but he's not getting the saves either. So it, it's a mystery. I like Stolmont and Zimmer the most. Those are the two I like the most. There's nothing worse than you have a closer on a team and you're like, oh, they won six to four and you click on the box score and someone else got the save. It's just that if you're like coming in from a night, you haven't watched many games, and you're like, oh, six, four, you're great. And you're like, Oh, Barlow had the save. You're like, oh. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. one more, uh, one more situation here before we uh, jump something real quick and then get out of here. Cleveland. Um, it was, you know, everybody in draft season was Karinchek, Karinchek, Karinchek. He was moving web. He was like a fifth, sixth, seventh round guy, whatever. Maybe uh, there you go. You're raising your hand for that one. And then Emmanuel Clase ended up uh, taking the job, pitching really well. He still has a 1.05 ERA, but Karinchek's been used a little more as a close. Like it's like 10 saves to seven or something like that. Uh, they've, they've, that gap has closed. If you got to pick somebody 
rest of the way? Do you think there's a guy? Do you think they kind of keep splitting? Do you think one guy takes over? What would you do if uh, you got to figure out the Cleveland bullpen situation right now? Well, I'm going to trust my guy, Steve, who's watching the show. What's up, Steve? He already gave us the Chris Sabo shout out. I'm going to tell you that uh, Karinchak is the arm here. Even if there's the walks, like you said, but the K rate is so ridiculous, and he is so talented. And Class A is good too. He, I mean, he's a good. They have a luxury here. I think Karinchak will keep the role, but I could see a period of time where maybe things go bad at outing or two because this is a team that is fighting for a playoff spot. They offense is so bad. Their offense is terrible, but their pitching so is so bad. good that they do yep. have a chance, right? Yep. So yeah, they're they're four games back of the White Sox, and they're in the mix for that wild card too. Yeah, you know, yeah. Tito Francona, he's a miracle worker. He really is. I wish he just knew a little bit more about offense. But the bottom line is, one of these guys is going to take the role. I like Karinchak a little bit more, but I wouldn't be surprised. Desperation, trying to make a playoff run. Whoever kind of fills the gap and is yeah. more consistent than the other will take the role. Yeah, and I think that's maybe why I like Klaze a little more. He's got one earned run in his last 11 outings, whereas Karinchak's given up runs in four of his last seven. So maybe we're, it was Klaze, Klaze and then Karinchak kind of closed the gap. Maybe Klaze's pulling away a little bit. It's tough. I mean, Karinchak's, the strikeout rate is absurd. It's 42.5%. Like, that's just – that's a bonkers number right there. But, again, we talk about the walk issues. Um, Klaze's had some walk issues too, but it's, it's weird. You look at his you look at his past numbers. He had really low walk numbers in the minors and majors the last, like, two or three years. So maybe he's going to fix that, whereas Karinczak, we're going to get some walks. But, like I said, he can walk two guys and punch out three guys, and that's that's a that's a scoreless inning no matter how you build it. Um, I think I'd lead Klaze a little bit, but I, I can't uh, can't pretend to know that I'm going to know what they're going to do. And I think we might see just a uh, – you know, like a 25 and 20 kind of thing where they, they both get a bunch of saves all year. And actually, you're probably right. You know, I'm looking at it now. I'm thinking about it. You know, Class A has a 70% LO, well, 81% LOB left on base percentage. Yep. So if he can maintain that, I think that is maintainable. It's not too high. Uh, yeah, I think it's party time. But if that regresses, it's just going to go back and forth. And it, it will still be a mystery. You just never know what these bullpen situation and it's I, funny I, we talk about some of these we're like oh i don't want anybody i think both these guys are very rosterable and should be on should be owned yes. in every league. so it's, it's one of those weird situations where you may not get all the saves but you want these guys for everything else they do definitely totally agree with that cool real quick uh san francisco do you uh do you feel like jake mcgee's maybe gaining the job back a little bit one earned run his last nine appearances and taylor, tyler rogers i always call him taylor rogers tyler rogers <laughs> um maybe slipping a little bit he still has a really good era but uh you know, maybe maybe we're seeing a little bit of a, a little cracks in the armor here. Um, he has a 225 BABIP, and for Rogers, that's huge. He doesn't strike anybody out. His K rate's down to 11.7. percent It's just hard to be a closer with that number if you're not punching anybody out. He was 22 percent last year. Uh, McGee, it was McGee early on looked like a great draft value, and then Rogers has taken over. He's been kind of the guy the last two weeks. Uh, where do you see this one playing itself out? I think it's McGee until there's a trade that happens. They, they're in the hunt, obviously. They're very much in it. So yeah. if they think they are, they might make a move for a reliever who comes in and takes over or at least causes chaos for save opportunities. But it's McGee. I don't believe in Rodgers. I never believed in Rodgers. I saw what I saw last year with a Gott. Mr. Gott got destroyed. Uh, I remember that I remember week? that, yeah. Everyone picked him up, and he just got murdered that week, yeah. Oh, it wasn't yeah. even like, oh, one blown save. These were no. epic multi-blown yeah. saves in a row. Oh, so bad. But that's not Rogers' oh, fault. But that, yeah. I remember trying to pick him in to fill the void on Gott, and I wasn't that impressed either. I don't think Rogers has the stuff that McGee can provide, and that's my opinion. I go McGee here. August 14th, Trevor Gott, a third of an inning, five earned runs. Next day, the 15th, two-thirds inning, four earned runs. My goodness, that was awful. And then he came in the next <sighs> series. They finally came in later in the week, and he gave a point a point one inning. Uh, two earned runs. So that's uh, that's <laughs> 11 earned runs that week in 1.1 innings. That's like, uh, that's Carlos Martinez, like what he does normally. 
It's all <laughs> it's all time. It's an all time awful yeah, week. I hope he's it. out there doing well now. But that's a tough one to live, especially down. on the week when everybody picked him up and people had him in lineups too. That's rough. So, yep. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Get to know you a little better. Um, let's talk some sports stuff. What is your? Uh, you live in Detroit out there. What's your favorite stadium in any sport you've seen a game in? Well, you know, Tiger Stadium is always going to be a special, special yeah. little palace in my heart. It was a dump. I know that. It was old. I was at the last game at Tiger Stadium. I've said that before. Beautiful. Beautiful. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. Saw that Robert Fick home run. Grand slam. Eighth inning against Robert the Royals. Good times. Fick. Wow. I didn't think we'd hear that name on the podcast. Well, I had to get it in somehow. That's Scott, beautiful. But <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was a great time. Of course, I went to Michigan, so I've experienced the big house. I kind of think is it's it? overrated, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, I was going to say, it doesn't look, I was going to ask you to look at the hype because that's on, that's on the list here of things, places I want to go to see a game. Well, if you've never been there, yeah, never been. You, yeah it'll totally be a cool experience. I don't mean to minimize it for somebody who's yeah. never experienced it, but it's just a bowl and the seats are really uncomfortable and they jam 111,000 plus in there every Saturday. So I, I don't know. It's lost some of its luster. It's a beautiful place. It looks gorgeous. The campus is gorgeous. Is it super loud? It's not as loud as it should have been. They yeah. built like a kind of a top end thing, like a railing slash advertising rim that goes around the top to try to okay. increase the noise. But right. I remember I remember seeing games there in the 2000s thinking, this place is never loud enough. What's our deal? We love this team, but we're just never loud enough. It's weird. Uh, that's that, that's pretty wild. I've been I've been to a couple of Michigan games, but only out here at the Rose Bowl. So I have seen them in person a number of times. Oh, I was at wow. the uh, I was at the Michigan Texas Rose Bowl, the Steve Breston versus oh! uh, versus Vince Young game. They lost, but like that was a great game. game. I've never seen a return man make as much of an impact as Steve Breston in that game. It was uh, every return was like sixty yards. It was bonkers. It was I've never seen a guy impact. It, it was crazy. It was every they, return. It was nuts. Uh, you look at that roster, you go back and look at that people who know football in the NFL. There's a lot of really yeah. talented players on both of those teams, but Michigan should have been so much better. The Chad Henney era from yeah. 04 to 07 was a complete failure and really signaled where the team is now today. Unfortunately, what's your, uh, what's your favorite, uh, favorite baseball stadium that's, that's current. I, I don't know how many you've been to, but you said tiger stadium an old one. Anything you've been to currently that you love? Uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've been to a few. I've, there's a lot, that I still need to see. Yeah. Um, but I guess uh, Comerica Park is a lovely park. It really right. is. And it, it, was, it's deserving. I was there for work and the A's were actually playing the Tigers and a playoff game was a day game and I couldn't go. It was like a mile away from where I was. It just literally broke my heart. Was that a 06 or 12? I know those uh, are two matchups we had in the playoffs. So. The one where Josh Reddick uh, jumped over the fence and they uh, they stole the ball from him and it should have been uh, called the other way. I'm not bitter <laughs> at all. That, uh, so that, sound, was, that, was, yeah. that was 2012 then, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was explained properly, but I'll let it slide. Uh, <laughs> and then that. I actually I actually went to I went to game five that year because uh, Coco beat them, beat Valverde in game four. And yes. I was like, and my wife and I drove up from LA. It's like a five-hour drive. We drove up for game five. And literally like six pitches in, I looked at her. I'm like, this game's over. Verlander will not give up. I've never seen a guy after like 10 pitches. I knew that he was like, there's no way anybody's hit this guy. It was like that locked in. He threw a couple of changeups. I'm like, yeah, this game's over. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, trust me, this game's over. And six, nothing in the eighth inning. I was like, I told you, there's just one of those nights that there, nobody was hitting him no matter who he was facing. Well, how does that explain what happened in the World Series then against Pablo Sandoval? Uh, That's what I don't get. What crazy, you just described right? was so yeah. clear cut. How did yeah. that happen? How did that happen? I have it's just one of those things. It's baseball for you right there. But uh, it is. It is. I go. Uh, I think I'd probably go with the modern stadiums. I go with PNC. We went there uh, a couple of years ago. I guess it was 2015, so more than a couple of years ago. That place is beautiful. That's it. They did a great job with that place. Everything around. I like I like stadiums that are in the downtown area where you can go like get a drink after the game, before the game. So I'm usually partial to those, whereas the stadiums you got to drive to and park and then leave. But um, I love PNC. So anybody that has not been there, I would highly recommend that. Yeah, I um, definitely want to get. I've seen it from the outside. I just haven't been inside to see a game yet. So. 
because you're not you're not that far, right? A few hours away drive. Oh, it's four hours. Yeah, four, four hours four hour drive. I could definitely go there for a weekend. In fact, we did, but we saw a Pearl Jam concert and then we saw Michigan lose to Penn State in Penn State the next day in overtime. That was in 2013. So. I saw Pearl Jam at where they now have Coachella, which is essentially yeah. just a giant polo field. The worst venue you ever imagine because it's it's just flat. So you can't. I'm five nine. And I can't. I couldn't see anything the whole time. But oh, there was geez. like a there was like a thirty foot sound tower, like probably thirty feet away from us. Some dude climbs up the top of it and did a stage dive, dove, and everybody moved out of the way. And I've never heard it. I've never heard someone hit the ground harder in my whole life. Oh man! Everybody like looked up. Like land out there? It's yeah, but it's like it's on polo fields. So they have these huge <laughs> polo fields. It's just grass everywhere. But it's just oh. flat. It was a hor- It was a horrible experience. It was just good God. the concert was fine. Nothing to do with program, but just like the venue was so bad. But this guy jumping off the soundstage was the best thing ever because he just people were like, uh, "I'm not catching you from that high. Are you crazy?" And just boom on the ground. So. I guess he saw that a live video from the '90s. He wanted to be <laughs> yeah. like any better. He got he got he got up. So I don't want you to think that I like saw a death or anything. But he got up. No. But I was, it was it was insane. So it was it was wild. What's your favorite game that you that you have been to live? Is 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 last game at Tiger Stadium the one you you did point to? You know that was that was cool. Uh, I've been to, I went to a playoff game 2011. Unfortunately, Nelson Cruz killed us. The Rangers against the Tigers uh, yeah. ALCS that didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> I will tell you this: uh, 1999 uh, Michigan Ohio State game at the Big House. I went with my really good friend Brandon, who unfortunately passed away at a young age, oh, and sorry. we saw. Yeah, it's, you know he's a great guy. That's life. But we saw Tom Brady beat the Buckeyes uh, 24 to 17. The two of us were rooting, and back then. Michigan football was just like, it meant more to me. I was 19. Maybe that's right. why, too. But yeah. it, he, he also beat Ohio State, which to me, even though yeah. things have gone way south, beating I, Ohio I was State gonna is say, still important. I, I, I don't want to be a jerk, but I was going to say it's not the last time they beat them, but I, I won't go there. No, that's, that's <laughs> totally fair. They beat them in 2003, and that's the last time they beat Ohio State. If you want to count the Luke Fickle game in 2012, whatever. You can count that, but I don't count it. So. Oh, yeah. All right, uh, that's, but they that's, did beat them. They did beat them. So that's a that's a rough stretch right there. But oh, it's god awful. Yeah, if you could pick any game in the last twenty years that you could have gone to live, what would it be? Yeah, that is a that is a great one because uh, you know I love basketball and basketball arenas can be pretty cool. And if you could sit up yeah. close and experience, I would have loved to have been at the game where the Heat beat the Spurs in the finals. Ray Allen shot. Yep. When he beat them from the corner was an amazing shot. I would have loved to experience that down and in there. That that would have been really, really cool. I I'm hoping you, you wouldn't have been one of the people that was walking out of the stadium when it happened then tried to get back in and they wouldn't let him back in because the <laughs> Miami fans, a lot of them left early that game, which is always a funny clip to see. That's a finals game. Well, you can't leave a finals I, game early. It's not a regular go- season game. Where are you going? Like, come on. Right. And like, for 90 seconds early, like, come on, that's that's a that's a joke. That is I would, bogus. I would go. Uh, I'd go NBA two. I'd go Game six in the 2016 Western Conference Finals. Uh, Warriors at Thunder when the Warriors are down. Oh. They were down three one. They won at home in Game five and they came into Game six and Westbrook and Durant were just killing that whole series. People forget because they were 73 and nine that year. People forget and they lost to the Cavs. People forget how close Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City dominated three one first four games. Was three one comeback? Yeah, and it wasn't close either. Oklahoma City was dominating those first four games. And Clay Thompson just literally went out of his mind in game six. Like they shouldn't have won that game. They should have lost in six. Clay had 11 threes, the record that just got broken by, by Damian Lillard last week. But, and shots that like you just like that, it, you shouldn't take that shot. That's a terrible shot. Oh, good shot. So, um, <laughs> but uh, I'd pick that one. I think being there on the road, I might have gotten beat up, but I think it would have been worth it. Just it would have been so fun. And um, seeing that th- there was so much talent on the floor because you had, you had Curry and, and Draymond and, and Clay, but also Westbrook and Durant and Abaka was good then. It was just uh, one of those, one of those awesome games. I'll never forget. I would, I would have loved to be there for that one. 
Yeah, there's an alternate reality where that team is like multi-championship yes. winner. It really is. And it kind of stems from like that stretch right there. Like if they if it they does. win if they win in five or win in six, I think they beat Cleveland and I think they win a title and who knows what happens. Durant's not leaving if they win a title, that's for sure. Exactly. And, just, and, and Westbrook probably can't leave either. It's just it's funny how one little butterfly effect can 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 change so much. It's wild. So, yep. uh, before we get out of here, first of all, I want to thank you for joining. It was really fun to talk to you. We never, I never had a full long conversation. I really enjoyed it. You were fun. Uh, I love how much energy you bring. I love uh, what you brought to the industry. It's been a lot of fun to see your stuff kind of grow. And I, I, you know, I listen to the podcast. I watch the live streams, all that kind of stuff. And there aren't there isn't a ton of stuff that I listen to. I try not to get too affected by stuff because I want to be fresh on mine. But I, I do listen. It's fun. I love how much energy you bring. I love how much realism you bring. You talk about some real life stuff, and I really appreciate that too. I think that's that's really important at a time where people need that kind of stuff. So I, I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for coming on the show too. Uh, before we get out of here, plug again where people can find your work. Well, thank you, Scott. That uh, was pretty genuine. I do appreciate that. It means a lot because I appreciate what you do. I respect your work. And Rotowire is a big name. You know, it's really weird. I, I'm not trying to minimize Rotowire, but I never really knew what it was until about four years ago. And I've been playing fantasy baseball forever. So it's weird how you, you get in these bubbles where you yeah. don't know big time stuff that could help you out and provide you with information and not to minimize Rotowire. It's just weird how you find about a whole world that you didn't even know about it. So I'm really glad I got to be a part of this because I definitely know what a big deal Rotowire is. And people who are in the business, they speak very highly of it. There's a lot of you guys, you're old veterans, old pros, like you and Jeff and so on. So I respect the hell out of this and it's really cool. And you can find me at MJ Govier, G-O-V is in Victor, I-E-R on Twitter, and I'll be posting silly videos. Occasionally, like Scott said, yeah, I'll talk about mental health. I do a podcast about mental health with my girlfriend. Oh, nice. It means a lot to me. It's important, and I take it seriously, and that's okay. You can have a lot of fun and be goofy and silly, which we certainly do on the Palazzo Podcast. Right. Two L's, two Z's. We have a lot of fun. It's part of the Road Fanatic uh, Podcast Network, but we also get serious on occasion. So I hope you guys check it out, and we would love to have some interaction. Palazzo Podcast is always doing new and cool stuff. And I got to tell you, rotofanatic.com is my venture that I do with a couple other guys who know a lot about the business. So if you're interested in other fantasy baseball stuff that is full of detail, check out rotofanatic.com. Beautiful. Well, thank, thanks again for joining. Uh, to everybody else, if you could please rate and review the podcast, it does help us a lot. Um, helps people find the podcast. If you could leave a bunch of stars, if you enjoy listening to us, we would greatly appreciate that. We are sponsored by WinBet on the podcast. That's W-Y-N-N Bet. Uh, so we appreciate them for that. We, uh, we thank them for that. You want to follow me on Twitter? I am at Scott Jensen. Names on the screen. If you're listening to the audio, it's just Scott Jensen. And uh, Michael's at MJ Govier. Govier is G-O-V-I-E-R. You can find him there. Other than that, uh, Jeff will be back at you next Thursday, but I'll be back at you on Sunday night having uh, Toby Batflip Crazy, one of the uh, one of the yes. better crazy players and a really good dude, too. He's going to join me on Sunday to break down uh, the weekend fab, the weekend in baseball. So I'm really looking forward to that. So tune in Sunday for that. Other than that, hope everybody has a fantastic weekend and take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.